Riviera Radio Business News. Morning, Henk. Good morning. How are you this morning? Very well, thank you. Making my way through the uh, through the turmoil of the working week. There's a lot to get through, but we're doing okay so far. Yeah, I bet you are. You must be up to your eyes in it. How, the markets. Let's start with the markets. Yeah, equities languishing down at year-to-date lows as fears of an escalating energy crisis in Europe and concerns over a possible recession discourage investors, even though, of course, valuations have been looking an awful lot cheaper. In Europe, stock 600 closed down one-tenth of one percent. That's after losing gains of 1.3% during the course of the trading session. So after Gazprom warned Moscow is thinking of sanctioning Ukraine's NAFTA gas which would put at risk flows to Europe via Ukraine. Also, there's been damage to a number of pipelines, which again threatens the supply chain. On Wall Street, US stocks dropped for a sixth straight session. The S&P 500 was down two-tenths of one percent. That's the longest losing streak that we've seen since February 2020. Fed officials reiterated their resolve to remain aggressive in the fight against inflation. Stocks in Asia have been down overnight. Commodities and cryptos are also under pressure setting us up for another negative start on the European bourses this morning. Currently calling the Euro stocks 50 down 24 points at the open. FTSE down 58 points. DAX over in Frankfurt down 113 points. And it's a tough time for UK assets. It really is. The International Monetary Fund delivered a stinging rebuke of the UK's new unfunded tax cuts by calling them excessive and in need of revision, adding to the criticism of a plan which has sent the pound, of course, to a record low. UK UK assets in general certainly had a rough ride over the course of the past couple of weeks. Bloomberg data estimates the UK stock and bond markets have lost a combined $500 billion dollars in value since Liz Truss took over as Prime Minister. Investors appear to be more cautious on UK prospects after the sweeping changes in policy were not accompanied by details outlining the accompanying offsetting revenue and spending measures. Traders, of course, also concerned the fiscal boost will stoke inflation and increase pressure on the Bank of England's hike base rates into further restrictive territory. Highlights of the sell-off include, well, FTSE 350 has lost more than $300 billion in market capitalisation. UK government bond index has lost more than £160 billion in market value. The yield on the 10-year gilts has risen by more than one percentage point to surpass 4%. That's for the first time since 2010. 30-year UK government bond yield has actually topped 5% overnight. That's for the first time in two decades. I think we'd expect UK assets to remain under pressure until the government provides clarity on the measures that it intends to implement to return the nation's finances back to a sustainable path. While we may get pledges of fiscal discipline from the government over the course of the coming weeks, it looks like we could have to wait until the Chancellor delivers his medium-term fiscal plan on November the 23rd. However, convincing sceptical investors will likely prove to be a high bar. Meanwhile, the Bank of England, of course, confirmed that looser fiscal policy will require, as we heard from the Chief uh, Economist yesterday, a significant policy response. We think that will start with a 75 basis point hike at the November 3rd MPC meeting. Uh, do you think the UK Chancellor can take a U-turn? I mean, what, what, could that happen? Very difficult to see that playing out, to be honest with you. 
one would suspect, um, yeah, we're more likely to see a change in terms of personnel as opposed to a change in policy coming through. So they've been aggressive in terms of their plans. Remember, these are sweeping tax cuts, the biggest tax cuts that we've seen in five decades. There's a huge energy support bill been put in place. The big question is, at what cost is that? Who's going to pay for it? What impact is that having on debt? How much of the share of national income will be required to pay servicing that debt, particularly as those yields have been rising? What impact will that have in terms of interest rates and the broader economic picture? So a lot of questions still need to be answered. One would suspect the government will try to see it through, but Certainly lots of political pressure, but also lots of financial pressure has been developing over the course of the past few days. Okay, and over in the US, there's a weak housing data. Yeah, after the post-pandemic boom data yesterday showed the US housing market is cooling at a rapid rate. The S&P 500 core logic case-shiller index showed prices rose 15.8% year-on-year in July but that was the smallest gain since April 2021. And down from the 18.1% increase in June, which represents the largest deceleration in the history of the index. While the annual rate remains positive, home prices month for month registered contraction of four tenths of 1%, which is the first monthly decline that we've seen since 2012. The West Coast cities of San Francisco, Seattle, San Diego registering the largest month-for-month declines. That's areas where you've seen the highest pressure in terms of affordability. Elevated prices and rising mortgage rates are clearly starting to take their toll. Average 30-year fixed mortgages in the United States rate hit 6.9%. That's the highest since 2002. The biggest annual jump that we've seen since the early 1980s. The underlying data suggests slowing house price appreciation will continue at pace. If you look at sales of Previously owned homes, for example, they've fallen for seven straight months in a row into August. There's also been a sharp pullback in housing starts and permits. Over the next 12 months, we expect that case index to accelerate to zero growth or even potentially decrease. And the foreign exchanges, please, Hank. Pound looking under pressure once again this morning, back below 107 against dollar. Euro dollar coming in at 0.95. You get one euro, 11 and a half cents for your British pound today. Hank Potts from Barclays, thank you. Have a good day. Speak to you tomorrow. Have a good day. Speak tomorrow. Barclays Private Bank has been in Monaco for 100 years. Since we opened our doors here in 1922, we have enabled our clients to invest in tomorrow and to influence it, drawing on experience, insights and ideas to help them create the world they want to make possible. And we're only just getting started. 100 years in Monaco, 100 years young.